Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, The Testament of Jesus, Seeking Wisdom, presented by Pastor Alan Moss on May 21st, 2017. Good morning, church. That's Farmer Andy right there, by the way. Uh, Floyd's not here, so we're going to have some some fun. Uh, You know, when Floyd asked me to do this service and we kind of talked about what we were going to talk about, I kind of looked at it and I said, okay, you're, you're wanting to talk about wisdom, and man, did you pick the wrongest guy to talk about wisdom. Thank you, Travis. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, uh, so kind of what we talked about when we talked about it, and, you know, I said, well, man, why? You know, that's that's really kind of tough for me to talk about. And so I started thinking about, you know, a lot of the mistakes I've made in my life and how I very rarely made wise decisions. And so I thought about someone else uh, in the Bible that that kind of is my favorite character and or, you know, favorite person, I thought about some of the wisdom that he did not show a lot of times and then some of the wisdom that he did show, and that's David. You know, and if you look at David's life, it's kind of cool. Uh, here's a guy that, you know, was a man after God's own heart, according to God, you know, and that's a huge compliment. But when you stop and you think about it, <clears throat> David was a mess up, man. I mean, David sometimes is not considered the smartest guy in the Bible, you know, because of a lot of the things that he did through his life. You know, some of the choices he made, some of the decisions that he made, some of the things he did were not the wisest, I guess you would call, you know. Uh, So I kind of thought, you know, well, how can he be the model of wisdom, you know? And the more I thought about that, I, I came to... First thought was, you know, and I want to ask you guys, when you hear the word wisdom, what do you kind of picture in your mind? Because honestly, when I hear somebody say, oh, you know, somebody's wise or wisdom, I think the first thing I picture is kind of a, you know, an old man with gray hair and a beard. Not you. (laughs) I'm teasing, right? You know, but that's, you know, you picture that, you know, somebody talking kind of in parables or something, you know, real wise, but but somebody that's real old or something, you know. Uh, and then, of course, if you're, you know, younger, you, you kind of think of Yoda, you know, a little short green guy that's real wise, you know. So you kind of picture different wisdom, you know, kind of that way. You know, and that's kind of what I did. I said, man, alive, you know, when I think of wisdom, that's kind of what I think about. But then as I, I studied, you know, 1 Kings, and that's where we're going to be at, by the way, 1 Kings chapter 1, if you want to turn there. We're not going to read a whole lot of it because it is a long chapter. And honestly, I can't pronounce half the names in it. So we're not going to do that. But we are going to talk about what happens in this chapter and how it applies to wisdom. Because we're going to see something in David, you know, that really points to how really wise he really was you know even though he made tons and tons and tons of mistakes he showed great wisdom on one thing and we'll get to that here in a minute 
But the first thing we got to kind of figure out is where does wisdom come from? You know, where does wisdom come from? You know, and, and really there's only one answer, and that's wisdom comes from God. You know, in Psalms 51.6, it says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Now, that's David saying that. You know, and then later on in Proverbs 2.6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So the first thing we got to kind of figure out is wisdom comes from God. That's where true wisdom comes from. You know, and sometimes we just don't hear it. uh, And we don't acknowledge it. And we don't think about it. You know, in 1 Kings chapter 1, in verse 1, it says, Now King David was old, and he was advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Now really what that's telling you, and it's kind of a sad chapter because David is about to die. You know, David actually dies in chapter 2, but now we're seeing kind of the death of King David. You know, a great, great king. But he's about to die. Now, he's really not that old. They estimate he was probably about 70 or so, but the mileage he had on his body, you know, it took a toll, you know, because of the way he lived his life sometimes. Sometimes not very wise. You know, and I, I kind of thought about, you know, wisdom. Geez, how, how does that really equate, you know, to, to people? And I, for some reason, I went back and I was thinking about for, for one particular time when, you know, I was a little bit younger and my son was younger. And we used to love, me and Alex used to love to go fishing. How many like to go fishing? I mean, me and Alex used to love to go fishing. And back home in Oklahoma, we could go pretty much any direction. And about 10 minutes, you'd hit a farm pond. You know, and so you'd just hop out and you'd go fishing. You know, well, there was this cemetery pond. Uh, I hope everybody know what a pond is, by the way. I don't know if that's a word used here or not. Uh, a pond is like, uh, what would it be? How would you... Huh? Yeah, it's just a small body of water. It's not a lake. It's kind of smaller. You can sometimes you can throw a rock from one side to the other. Uh, but there was this cemetery pond where me and Alex had permission to fish on it, and we used to love going fishing there. You know, that was something that we just really enjoyed. But I had a favorite spot. You know, if you have a you know some place you go a lot, you have this favorite spot. You know, even today when we go out, sometimes we'll go out to uh, Sandia Lakes. I got this favorite spot, you know, and I'm like there when it opens because I don't want anybody to get my spot. You know, and that's kind of what we had in this little cemetery. I had this favorite spot. So one day I remember me and Alex, we went fishing and, you know, we got some minnows. You know, back there we can use them for bait. Uh, So we got some minnows and stuff, you know, and we got our lawn chairs out and we just set up on the bank one morning and we started fishing. Not having a whole lot of luck, but it was a lot of fun. And we noticed kind of on the other side, they had this little platform that went out into the water. And there was this older guy up there fishing on it. You know, me and Alex was fishing. We was catching absolutely nothing but a cold. You know, we were sitting there, you know, but we noticed that this guy was just bringing them in right and left. You know, about every five minutes, he'd bring in another fish. 
you know, and uh, so we kind of sat there, and Alex kept looking over there, you know, and he kept saying, man, he's bringing in a lot of fish. And I kept saying, well, just calm, be, be patient. We'll catch some here. It'll be all right. You know, this is my spot, man. You know, so we we still waited for a while, nothing. So finally that guy got up, and he left. And as he was leaving, he kind of walked by us. And I don't know whether he was just showing us his stringer of fish or what, but, you know, but he said hello and everything. He said, man, they're really biting over there. I said, oh, yeah, I see that. You know, that's that's a nice catch of fish right there. You know, so he left. You know, and Alex said, you know, should we go over there? I said, oh, no, 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 no. This is our spot right here, man. I promise you we're going to catch something right here. You know, so we waited a little bit longer, you know, and Alex asked again, are you sure we shouldn't go over there? So finally I said, Bubba, if you want to go over there, go. It's okay. You know, so he, of course, man, he just reeled his stuff in and he boogied on over there. And he wasn't over there maybe five minutes and he started bringing in fish. You know, and he hollered at me from over there and he said, Dad, you got to come over here. And of course, me being me, I said, no, 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 this is my spot. I promise there's fish here. You know, I was very stubborn. There was no way I was going to leave my spot. Well, he ended up catching about four or five fish, and I caught absolutely zero. I don't even think I had a bite that day. You know, we get in the car, you know, and he's kind of bragging. You know, he said, man, Dad, you should have came over there. They were really biting and everything. And I kept saying, well, you know, that's that's good this time, but next time they'll bite in my spot. You know, and I really don't know why I thought about that, but as I was thinking about wisdom, I thought, how unwise was I to be that stubborn? That here was a gift horse in the mouth, basically, but I wasn't wise enough to kind of figure it out. You know, and I started thinking about David. And David really kind of fit that mold. You know, there was a lot of times David was kind of stubborn and David kind of did what David wanted to do. You know, and as we see here, what's going on in chapter 1 is David is old, David's about to die, and David has a son named Ananijah. And this is probably his oldest remaining son. I don't know how much you know about David's family, uh, but this is for Michelle. It's like a Jerry Springer show. (laughs) David's family was like a Jerry Springer show. It really was. You know, David had a lot of sons. Now, his oldest son was called Amnon. Now, Amnon was killed by another one of David's son called Absalom. Now, the reason why Absalom killed Abnon is because Abnon, and this is bad, but he raped Absalom's sister. Now, they were half-brothers. So he basically raped his half-sister, and Absalom got mad and killed him. So that's two brothers, and they killed one. One killed one. Now, I had a couple older kids, but we kind of figured they must have died in battle because they're only mentioned one time. You know, so Anajiah, who was his fourth son, you know, he was probably the oldest remaining son at that time. So back then, when the king died, who got the throne? Usually the oldest son that was alive. Well, Anajiah, you know, he kind of took it upon himself and decided that, well, I'm just going to be king. Now, that's not real wise, is it? Because God had already told David that Samuel, 
or Solomon, I'm sorry. Thank you, Carrie. Solomon was going to be the next king, which was another one of David's sons from Bathsheba. Anybody remember Bathsheba? Remember that incident? Was David showing a lot of wisdom then? <laughs> no, none at all. If you don't remember, Bathsheba was married to a friend of David's. David saw her and said, Woo, I like that. You know, so he had an affair with her, got her pregnant, tr- killed her husband, basically, ordered him to the front lines in a battle so he could die, you know, so he could have Bathsheba. And, of course, they got married, and that baby died, but then they had another one, which was Solomon. And God had told David that Solomon's going to be the next king, nobody else. But Anajijah thought, well, you know what? I'm the oldest. I'm older than Solomon. This kingdom should be mine. So what we're kind of seeing is a lack of wisdom on their part. And then what we find out is when that happens, in verse 5 it says this, Then Anajijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. What did David do? The wise King David, what did he do? Absolutely nothing. Which was kind of, when it came to his kids, that was kind of David's forte. You know, he wasn't a huge, I guess you could call it, disciplinarian. You know, he didn't kind of put his kids, you know, in the right kind of, you know, proper discipline. He just kind of let them kind of run wild. You know, and it kind of bit David a lot of times on the backside. Uh, you know, we talked about how Absalom killed his brother. What we don't rem- remember is Absalom actually wanted to take over the kingdom as well one time. And David had to flee for his life because he thought his son was going to kill him. You know, so kind of looking at all that, you can kind of understand where Anadijah is coming from. Hey, if he can do it, I can do it. I'm the oldest now, so I'm going to do that. But David shows all that wisdom by doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. In verse 6 it says this, And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done this? So David lacks wisdom there. He just didn't do anything. You know, why? Who knows? You know, put it in there that he was good looking, which was David was supposedly good looking. So maybe that was it. I don't know. You know, but Absalom or Ananijah actually had a lot of his father's traits. He was good looking guy. He was good talker, you know, because he talked a lot of people to go in with him and make him king. You know, but the people he didn't talk into were the people that were loyal to David. You know, so that was a a, a kind of a drop in wisdom on his part. You know, and that's what happens a lot of times. A lot of times we're not wise because we're arrogant. You know, and we kind of equate wisdom to power. You know, we, we really do. We kind of think that sometimes... You know, to be wise, you have to be super educated. And there is nothing wrong with being educated. But sometimes they don't go hand in hand. You know, you can be extremely book smart, but maybe not be wise. But we kind of picture it that way. 
You know, we also kind of think wisdom goes with our role in society. You know, well, if he's super rich, he must be really wise. That's not really true. But that's sometimes the trait that we see right here. See, Ananijah thought, well, I'm the oldest, I'm good looking, I'm rich, the kingdom is mine. So he showed absolutely zero wisdom in trying to get the kingdom. And he thought he had it. Why? Because his father did absolutely nothing. He just kind of, oh, well, okay. Now, whether he didn't want to confront him or not, I don't know. But that's the way David raised most of his kids, was without any kind of discipline or confrontation. You know, and he shows a lack of wisdom right there. But see, David had something that is unique. David had the ability to listen to God. So there's a reason why David was a man after God's own heart. It's because of David's heart. See, no matter what you think about David, no matter how many times he screwed up and promise you he messed up a lot, you know, and sometimes he just flat out disobeyed God. But God always kind of seemed to put this shield around David. You know, he's kind of like the kid that, you know, he's got such a strong personality and he's just full of life and he's just always so happy. It's hard to get mad at him sometimes. And that's kind of the way David was. But David had this ability to listen to God. Why? I have no idea. But where did it come from? How did God get through to David? Simple. He used someone. See, a lot of times we shut ourselves off from listening to God. We show that lack of wisdom. God can be telling us like crazy, this is what I want done. Just like He did with David right here. He told David, David... This is who I want to be king. It's going to be this guy right here. Period. What did David do? When Anadijah said, well, I'm going to be king, David said, okay. Did nothing. But then we see the wisdom of David. See, sometimes we think wisdom is always us giving advice. But it's really not. See, we we actually show more wisdom when we're taking and not giving. See, in verse 11, you kind of see the person that's been in David's life most of his life, kind of like his wisdom advisor that God put there for a reason, and that's Nathan the prophet. See, David was lucky. He had this guy that loved him so much. And that loved God so much that God put him in David's ear. He always was there to kind of help David. If we remember the deal with Bathsheba, who was it that really kind of told David what you're doing is wrong and that he listened to? It was Nathan. Once again, Nathan comes to the rescue and he is David's wisdom for David. In verse 11, 
you know, Nathan, he says here, so Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Anajijah, the son of Haggath, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? Come, please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life and the, na- and the son of your life, Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, David, you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me. So that's Nathan telling Bathsheba, giving her great godly advice. And then we see later on in verse 22, it says, when, when Bathsheba is talking to David, guess who walks in? It says, just then, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan, the prophet, also came in. So they told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king and his face to the ground. And Nathan said, O Lord, O king, have you said Anajijah shall reign after me? And he shall sit on his throne? So what he's doing right there is Nathan is doing just like he did every other time in David's life. He's bringing David back to reality. He's being the wisdom of God for David. And that's something we really need to remember. That sometimes God puts someone in your life to be your wisdom for you. To kind of snap you back into reality so you can make the right decisions. But sometimes we don't take that. We ignore it. Because of our pride, our arrogance, our ego, our stubbornness, our rebellion. Whatever you want to put a label on it, we just don't listen. But David did. David always listened to Nathan. How do we know? Later on in the story, it comes out that David announced, you know, when when David does this, if you go all the way to verse 28, it says, Then King David answered and said, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed me and my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord of God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall set on my throne in a place, I certainly will do this day. So what we really kind of see is the wisdom of David. See, sometimes wisdom isn't communicated right to us. Sometimes we need that wisdom to understand that we need to listen to the people around us. Because God uses everything. Sometimes He uses life experience to make you wise. And sometimes he puts that special person in your life to be your wisdom. And we've got to listen to that. Because we've got to understand that wisdom comes from God. Even Jesus, in the book of John, when he was asked, when he was teaching, somebody asked him, how are you so wise? And did Jesus say, oh, because I'm just that smart? No. No. He said, you know what? 
My wisdom doesn't come from me. It comes from the one that sent me. So Jesus is saying right there, wisdom is from the Father. But you've got to hear it. You've got to listen for it. And then you have to accept it. That was David's gift. See, David made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. But David's gift is when somebody brought him back, usually Nathan, what did David do? He always turned to God. Every single time. He always ended up doing the right thing. Just like here. God had told him, Solomon will be king. Now, I kind of think sometimes that if Nathan wouldn't have been there, or if David would have been super stubborn and never listened to Nathan, would Solomon have been the king? Or would we have had another Jerry Springer show and him and Anna Jaija be fighting each other for the kingdom? You know, you kind of think about that. But David's gift, his beautiful wisdom, was to always listen to his father, God. No matter how bad he got, no matter what he did, no matter how messed up he made things, when someone came to him and said, David, this is what God really wants you to do, David listened and David acted. See, a lot of times we get great advice, but we never act on it. Somebody might give us phenomenal advice, just like the guy that gave me advice. Hey, the fish are biting over there, not here. I should have acted on it, but I didn't. And I didn't get rewarded. But that's why David's heart was like God's is when he heard the truth, he acted. You remember what he did when that child died, the first child he had with Bathsheba? And Nathan went to him and said, Dude, you need to get right with God. Did David say, Well, I am right with God. I am, I'm David. I slew Goliath. I've, I, you know, I, I've got a bigger kingdom than anybody. I've, I've won all these battles and I've won all these wars. He could have because it was all true. But when Nathan went and said, Dude, you are making a mess of this. You need to get right with God. That's what's going on. David acted. See, it takes an action to put wisdom in play. And that's what David did. David went and he got immediately on his knees that day and begged for forgiveness And said, God, I've made a mess of things. And what did God do? God does exactly what He would do with us. He said, it's okay. You're coming to me with a good heart. You're asking forgiveness. So guess what? I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to bless you for doing that. That's the strength of David. That's something we don't take in our lives. Because I promise you, I doubt... If there's anybody here that has made as many mistakes or as bad of mistakes as David. But yet, we shy away from God. Because we're embarrassed. 
we think we're going to be punished. And we don't want to take that punishment. You know, picking on my son when he was younger, you know, and uh, it was so funny. When he was really little, probably, what, three or four? You know, uh, with the... Yeah. You know, and and don't think bad of me, but I used to spank my children. <laughs> uh, but I remember my son was the funniest. Because when he was really little and he would make a mistake or something like that and he'd get in trouble, you know, I would set him down and I would say, Alex, this is what you did, son, and this is why this is wrong, and you're going to get a spanking. You know, and he'd say, okay. And, I'd, and, and it was really kind of funny because I'd say, okay, how many spankings do you think you, you deserve? You know, most kids, if he were a little bit older, he probably would have said, oh, none, Dad, I learned my lesson. But no, my son would say, uh, give me three. <laughs> You know, and I don't know if that was his favorite number or if that's how, you know, he liked holding up three fingers, but it was almost always, eh, give me three, you know, and being the father I was, I'd, okay, (laughs) you know, so I'd bust him three times. And that went on for a long time, a couple of years until he, I think he finally got a little older and realized, you know, maybe I need to say one or none, you know, but for a while, every time he got in trouble, you know, I'd say, Alex, yeah, you're going to have to get, get a spanking. How many? Yeah, give me three. Okay. You know, and I wore out some ping pong paddles on his back end. Uh, it, was, it was something else. But he took his medicine, you know, and I blessed him for it. And that's kind of what David did. You know, David always looked at God and said, you know what, God, whatever you give me, I deserve. But I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to honor you. I'm still going to cherish you. That's wisdom. Because he knew that God would always forgive him. Period. There wasn't a, will God forgive me? Maybe he will, maybe he won't. No. See, I've looked all through this Bible. And I can't find any place that says God will never forgive you. But that's the way we think. We can make the silliest mistake and run away from God. Oh, I've made a mistake. I can't be, you know, I can't be in God's presence anymore. That's not what God says, is it? Just look at David's life. Did David run away from God? No. Never. Every time he messed up, he came right back to God. Somebody would talk to him, and he would say, You know what? You guys are right. I need to get right with God. And he would go, and he would get right with God. And what does God do for us? He says, I will forget your sins. If you come and ask me, it'll be as far as the east is from the west. I will forget and I'll forgive you. And then I'll bless you. So why are we so afraid of God? Why do we not have the wisdom David had? Probably because we won't listen to that voice in our ear that God has put that person in our life for. 
Because we're arrogant. We're stubborn. We're stupid. At least I am. I'm honest. I mean, 90% of the time when I mess up, I do the same thing too. I say, well, oh man, God ain't going to forgive me for this. You know, and it's usually something really stupid, you know, that, that really in, in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean anything. But yet I hold on to that and I say, oh, God's not going to forgive me for this. You know, and, and I'll, I, I will pretty much shut off to listening to God. But then God puts somebody in my life that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes I don't know who it's going to be. Sometimes it's the least I expect from. Sometimes it's a person that doesn't even know God. But God's using that person to get to me. And when that person says something, it triggers something. And luckily, I kind of use David trait and say, oh, that's what's wrong. I need to get right with God. Because see, when we seek God, that's when we're seeking wisdom. Because that's where wisdom comes from. We seek it in too many other places. And we need to be seeking it with Him. Only Him. But then we need to open up our hearts and our ears to who God puts in place to kind of snap us back to reality. To kind of hear that wisdom through us. You know. But don't shut them out. Listen to them. Because that might be the person God put in your life at that particular moment, at that time, for you to hear. Wisdom is listening to it. That's wisdom. That was David's greatest gift. You want a heart like David had? You can have it. Just love God with everything you got. Be willing to listen to the voices that God has put in your ears. And then act on it. See, it's good to hear wise things, but if you never act on it, who's the fool? It's like the old, the old lady, or the, not the old lady, sorry. But it's like the girl that, you know, she kept on complaining about, I, I'm never going to hit the lottery. I'm never going to win the lottery. I get so mad, I'm never going to win the lottery. Well, how often do you play? Oh, I've never bought a ticket. How do you expect to win if you don't listen, if you don't play? How do you expect to do what God wants you to do if you don't hear His voice? if you're not willing to listen to where God's talking to you from, how do you expect to do the right thing? You've got to act on it. You can't just sit on your blessed assurance and thinking everything's going to be fine. When God puts somebody in your life, God will use that. God wants to bring you back to the point you, where He wants you. We've got to act on it. Which means we got to get right with God. And He'll accept you every single time. 
You know, to end, I kind of wanted to do this. I don't know why, but as I prepared for this message, I kept going back to this. And I don't know, you know, it doesn't use the word wisdom or anything in it. But every time I read it, I see where David's coming from. I mean, you see his love, you see his true wisdom, and you see what he's really made of. And I've never read it that way until last night. But I want to read it to you. And I want you to to listen to it and think about wisdom as we read this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know about you guys, but that's wisdom. He loved God with everything he had. That's wisdom. I want to ask you guys in closing, where do you guys seek wisdom from? Are we seeking God? Or are we complaining? Oh, God never gives me any wisdom. God never helps me out. God doesn't do this. Have you seeked Him? Have you made it right with God? Have you even asked Him to give Him wisdom, to give you wisdom? Solomon did. God's not going to say no. He loves you guys. He loves me. But are we seeking Him? See, He doesn't run. He doesn't hide. He's there. And He's waiting for you to seek Him and to get right with Him. You want to have the heart of David? Seek God first with everything you have. No matter how bad you think your life is, no matter how many mistakes you've made, seek Him. He'll forgive you. He'll forget it. He'll love you. He'll bless you. But you have to act. You have to seek Him. So ask yourself today, what am I seeking wisdom through? Am I seeking God?
If you're not, you better get right with Him. That's it. No more. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we just thank you. We thank you for giving us examples all through your book on how to seek you, on how much you love us, how much you care for us. We look at David's life and we need to tell ourselves that, you know what? David's no different than we are. If we want a heart like His, a heart after God's, all we have to do is seek You. You're never going to reject us. You're never going to tell us no. You're never going to tell us, get away from me. You're always going to hug us, take us into Your bosom, and love on us. Lord, we ask that you give us the wisdom to understand that it comes from you. It starts with love. It starts with an act. An act from us to seek after you. We know life gets tough. But we know you will never forsake us. You will put a shield around us always be yours Father I ask today if there's anybody here that needs to get right with you that they seek you today that they come into your presence and they just kneel in front of you Nathan kneeled in front of David David kneeled in front of you we should do the same that's wisdom. We thank you so much for the examples that you've given us to look on, to look at, and to learn from. In a few minutes, Father, we're also going to take our offering. We ask that you bless that offering. Just let it go to, to your work that we can keep proclaiming your name to show this dying world there is so much love if they just see you. We just thank you, Father. We glorify you. We give you everything. In your blessed Son's name, who gave his life for us. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Sol Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at solrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, 
to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.